Well, I give you greetings and welcome in the glorious name of Jesus, our Savior. It is so good to be back together again as his people, even if we're spread around and we can't greet one another with a holy kiss, but rather a, a holy bump of the elbow or whatever takes place. Uh, the time is going to come when there is going to be freedom to be normal human beings once again, and I pray that that's going to take place soon. Obviously, we continue to live in a time where there is great disruption. Uh, I saw this morning that uh, there was a death down in Portland in the midst of the protests. Uh, the left and the right have not been friendly with one another. It is so good that in the body of Christ, our Lord God brings us together. The rich and the poor, the male and the female, the slave and the owner, the Greek and the, and the Jew, us knuckleheads and other people who are smart. Uh, he brings us together and incorporates us into a single body so that those temporary things that are only impacting in this portion of time and life don't hinder us from the fullness that God has planned for our ever, forever life in his presence. So I would continue to encourage you to lift up our country, those who are in authority, those who are making decisions, to be wise. Also, I would pray and ask you to pray against the obvious works of the wicked one in our society. The one who doesn't come to sow life, but the one who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. So different from our Lord Jesus who has come that we might have life and have it in its abundance. So I'm going to invite you to stand as we begin our time together in prayer and begin with some songs of worship and praise. We are so thankful, Lord Jesus, that you come together with us this day that you choose to make your presence known by your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that your Spirit would be active in our hearts and lives today as, as we sing to you praise, as we thank you for the wonders of your love, for your gifts, as we together hear your word and know that it is living it is active. It is powerful. I pray, Lord, that we would realize that it's not only powerful for somebody else, but you want it to be powerful in our lives. Help us, Lord, to be receptive to all that you bring to us this day. I ask it in the glorious name of Jesus, who is our Savior and Lord. Amen. Come, lead us in worship. Our songs this morning are emphasizing the Word of God. In John it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so our final song will culminate with giving us Jesus.
I would invite you to hear the word of the living God. Today we are in the Gospel of St. Matthew, the 13th chapter. We're beginning with the very first verse. That same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat behind, beside the sea. And the great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And this is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Wonderful prayer. Amen. You may be seated. I would invite you to open up in your own Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter. We're going to be beginning there as uh, I share the message, uh, the title of the message this day, How is your soil? And as we hear Jesus' parable this morning, well, it might be sort of wise for us to try to figure out what kind of picture are we supposed to get in our mind as Jesus teaches in this parable? Uh, Jesus used parables, as we heard last week, and actually the verses that follow right after today's, so that those who are on the inside understand, and those who are on the outside are kept in the dark. So since we are on the inside, it might be nice to figure out what does the Lord want us to see, to picture in our minds as he's talking. And, and Jesus used parables in so many different fashions so that he could reach so many parts of society. He, this one, obviously, uh, a parable that uh, resonates with those who are farmers. Uh, the next parable that he talks about, and we spoke about the next two parables last Sunday, is, is a land speculator or one who is a merchant. We've got parables about fishermen. We've got parables about people who are stewards for someone else's possessions. I mean, 
all these parables that Jesus teaches about the kingdom of God are trying to reach different parts of society with the truth of what God's kingdom of grace and favor and mercy is all about. So what is the, the one thing that, that he wants us to grab out of this parable? Well, we can see that there's three basic actors, uh, three main themes or people living out situations in the midst of this parable. First of all, there is a sower who went out simply to do his job. He was a sower of seeds, and so seeds he sowed. And the way they did it back then, they didn't have these great big wonderful drill presses like my family does back in North Dakota. They would go out with a bag on their hip, they would grab a handful of seed, and in the palm of their hands would sort of spread their fingers so that as they spread it, it would go into sort of different kind of streams to, to get going and out. Uh, the next, beyond the sower, we find out that he, the sower, sowed, what did he sow? He sowed seed. Boy, there's a lot of S's there. That spreading of the seed was the job of the sower, and when that seed was sown, it was sown extravagantly. Because seed that doesn't go into the ground is never going to grow. There's always hopefulness as that seed is spread abroad, and he absolutely spreads it everywhere. Even in places where he had no hope of life springing up. And finally, beyond the sower and the seed, there are also the soils. Uh, back when I was a kid, before I started working on my grandparents' farm, I thought it was dirt. In fact, uh, a couple of years ago, quite a few years ago, uh, when uh, the election was all finished, a national election for a president, there was a picture of all the counties that voted blue and all the counties that voted red. And this picture of the United States was this great big massive red blob with on the coasts chunks of blue and a couple spots in the middle. And one of my friends says, yeah, it looks like an overwhelming red choice this time, but you know, Herb, dirt don't vote. I, I, I thought it was dirt. It isn't dirt, it's soil. And it is honored by those who till the soil, tend the soil, keep the soil, and grow the things that help us to live life in such comfort here. So we've got the sower, we've got the seed, and we have four different kinds of soil that Jesus talks about in his parable. We've got that hard-as-rock pathway soil. There's that rocky ground kind of soil. There is that good soil that is so infested with weeds and thorns. And finally, there's that good soil that joyfully receives and happily reproduces. Now, on most of Jesus' parables, we have to figure out what is the one thing that he wants us to know. We're very fortunate because as Jesus is teaching these parables, uh, his disciples, the close ones, those on the inside, were thinking, so what? A sower sows seed into soil. Big deal. What are we supposed to understand? Well, the nice thing was we don't have to try to figure it out because Jesus helps us. And he goes in to talk to his disciples and those of us who get to listen in on that conversation, he talks about exactly what it is that this parable means, uh, starting at verse 18. Then hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown into his heart. That is what is sown along the path. 
as for what is sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. And as for what is sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world, the, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And as for what is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, and he indeed bears fruit that yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. This is what happens. Jesus says, the word goes out, and this is the response that happens. So quickly, my mind wants to look at the differences of the soil, because they're blatantly different. But before we step into the, the differences, let's look a little bit about the similarities. And, and that word that, that is cast so profusely, so richly, it is heard. Uh, Jesus says about the ones that go on the path, anyone who hears the word. And the next three types of soil, the one who hears the word, the one who hears the word, the one who hears the word. This word is coming, and it is hitting absolutely everyone. Everyone is hearing it. But it does not penetrate everyone. But it is there that is reaching them. He teaches that the word is there. Now, that's the ministry that the Holy Spirit uses. He takes that word. He takes every opportunity and every avenue possible to, to get the truth of that good news of God in Jesus Christ to impact us. And, and it hits people of all sorts of different flavors. People who are angry about it. People who heard it before. People who think we're just playing crazy that we would believe that kind of stuff. That word is constantly being scattered. Our radios, television in some spots, the exaltation of the truth of God's promise in Jesus is there. And many people tune it in, and many people tune it out. One of the things I'd, I'd like to think is that I have it all together, that I realize that I don't. Uh, early on in my Christian walk, as I, I read this parable, I thought it was something that Jesus was trying to teach me to be able to look at people and by their actions and their attitudes somehow make the judgment of what kind of soil is that person. I was pretty full of myself. And I think I missed the point way back then. Because, you know, when Jesus comes and ministers by his spirit, the number one place he wants to minister, the one number one place he wants to speak is to me. It's to you. There was a, a, a real tough winter Sunday back in Minnesota. And the pastor made it through the snow banks and everything and finally got to the church building and there was only one guy that made it there. It was just the pastor and one other fella. And it was pretty cool in the sanctuary, but, you know, his basic thought was if the sheep are going to come, you got to feed them. And so he said, let's, and they sang a cappella, a couple songs, and, and then the pastor read the, le the scripture lessons and he preached the sermon. And it was a powerful sermon. And and at the end, as they were getting ready to head out, the gentleman said to the pastor, oh, pastor, that was a great sermon today. Too bad nobody was here to hear it. 
You see, it came to him as if it was meant for someone else. God's not bringing the word to you today because it's meant for someone else. God is speaking in your presence because he wants his spirit, his word, to have power, impact in your life. It may trickle out to someone else too, but the number one place where God is seeking to work today is bringing his word of power and grace into your life and into my life. One of my very favorite books, in fact, I read this book once about every three years, is written by uh, a fellow who was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, he was a bishop uh, in Sweden. His name is Bo Geertz. And Bishop Geertz writes this book, and in, in, in English it's entitled The Hammer of God, and it looks at this one particular rural parish in Sweden over a, a long, long time. And, and in the midst of it, it's several different pastorships in this congregation. And different things are taking place in the world and how that's impacting this pastor and the spiritual life of the congregation. And it, uh, it is so impacting on my life because it speaks to me. Not as a pastor, but it speaks to me as a one who's a follower of Jesus. And the, as Bishop Gertz writes, his looking at the truth and the spirituality of the pastor and the congregation that, that he is entrusted to serve. And in fact, uh, we had friends uh, visit us from Norway. And we were talking and I said, oh, my very favorite book is, I know it might be uncomfortable, but it's from a Swedish bishop, Bogert. Oh, and, and the wife said, oh, I love his writings too. What's your favorite book? And I said, well, my favorite is The Hammer of God. And she said, hmm, I have never heard of that one. And I thought, you've got to be kidding. I thought that was the ultimate of what he had written. What's it about, she asked. And I, so I began to explain it. And she says, oh, I've read that many times. But, but in Swedish, it's not called the hammer of God. It's called stony ground. Different type of picture. And it's the hammer of God. God's word that comes and breaks that solid stone of a heart and changes us from stony ground into plantable ground. Let's look at some of each of these soils. And I want to tell you, to begin with, although it may describe different people, I think each one of these soils also describes me in various times of my life, and probably describes you at various points in your life. First of all, that soil that's called the path. The birds came and devoured them, that is, the seeds. And, and Jesus explains that even though sometimes the word is heard, it is not understood. The evil one comes and snatches it away, as it has been sown into the heart. It's God's spirit that wants to come with a hammer of his word and break that hard heart. And yet there are so many who choose to resist what is going on. Uh, the prophet Hosea, a wonderful prophet, uh, in the 10th chapter, verse 12, it says, Sow for yourselves righteousness, Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. How receptive are you to what the Spirit, excuse me, what the Spirit of God is saying? Is it finding welcome home there? Or is there a hardness? Because we don't really want to hear that. 
the evil one, is busy seeking to snatch away that which has been sown and instead wants to, to, to sow discord and disharmony between brothers and sisters in the body of Christ and even the body of Christ and those who are not yet or may never be a part of the body of Christ. The evil one is living and he's active and he's not someone to mess with. Just in recently, actually the first day of August, less than a month ago, down in Portland, Oregon, as their nightly protests and riots continued on, one of the focus of that particular protest was not only to burn an American flag, but to take a stack of Bibles and burn them also. The evil one comes and snatches away, doesn't want others to hear, doesn't want us to believe. Years ago, I was educated to understand that, that many times people's thoughts of God, their theology, is not so much based in God's word, but in their own morality. And so when they make their moral choices, then they're going to invent for themselves a God who's okay with their moral choices. There have been about four or five times when there has been, uh, throughout the last several centuries, philosophers who have sought to, to discover the historical Jesus. And they will search through the scriptures and they will read non-scriptural stuff so they can get a picture of how it is they think the real Jesus was. And it's always amazing that the Jesus that they find in scripture looks just like them. If they are living outside of God's laws, then God's laws really aren't important. Making light of what God's word has to say. In brief, a person's morality tends to dictate that person's theology. And if they're living outside of God's plan, they invent a God to worship. Who's fine with people living outside of his plan? Sort of like it says in Judges, the 17th chapter. In those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Sort of reflecting back on that, uh, the promise that the serpent made to Adam and Eve. Oh, eat the fruit and your eyes will be opened. And you will decide what is good and what is evil. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, we can try to decide that all we want. I just hope that we stand in line with what it is God has decided. Because if we don't, we have missed the mark. So, how is your soil? Is God calling you? for a time of breaking up that fallow, that hardened ground so that you might be more receptive to what his spirit has to say to you. As Jesus closed that parable, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. There's also the rocky ground. Jesus says in the parable, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil, but, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And so Jesus explains that, that sometimes the word is actually heard, but it is not understood. The evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in the heart. Back in my high school days, there was a, a group of us that came to a, a vibrant trust and faith in our Lord Jesus. And we were the first group, the believers, that actually desegregated our cafeteria in high school. 
uh, before the guys sat by the windows, the gals sat on the other, and ne'er the two would meet. And a couple of us guys made the journey over toward the gals' side, and we met as believers sitting at the table eating our lunch. Uh, th there was a big division, and people who laughed at us. Uh, our congregation began a an outreach ministry. It was called The Commitment, a singing group of about 35 people. And we would go around into different churches as well as blessing our own congregation in, in singing and testimony. And I can remember one of the, the younger gals in the group got up. She was a son, a son, a daughter of the congregation, had been there, heard the same things that I'd heard for years. And in her testimony, she was saying, I sat in church for for." 15 years, and I never heard the gospel. I sat in that same church, and it was the gospel that called me to faith there. And it wasn't that the pastor wasn't preaching the gospel. She was the one who had the words coming, but they never settled in her heart. The one who hears the word immediately with joy receives it, and yet because it has no root, it, for a little while it's there, and, and then when tribulation and persecution arise on account of the word, immediately he falls away. The word is there, and yet the, the one who comes to seek and to kill and destroy wants to rob us of it. And Jesus uh, writes a letter uh, through the Apostle John to the church at Ephesus. We, we find it in the second chapter of the book of Revelation. And as he's talking to the church of Ephesus and talking about some of the great things that's been happening, he concludes that with, but this I have against you. You have abandoned your first love that which was there to begin with, and, and then it fades away. Can you look back in your life and think of times where on the thermostat reading, you were hot on fire for Jesus, took every opportunity you had to share that truth with people you knew that were, were not walking, in relationship with our Savior. Can you think of a time when you were more excited about Jesus than, than you were about the Seahawks or the Mariners or your bank account? And now something is maybe a little bit different. How's your soil? What is God's Spirit speaking to you this day? Are you afraid of persecution? Are you more afraid of what people might think about you than what God might think about you? That's one of the ways to, to take a measure about how your soil is. And then... There's that soil that it's, it's good and healthy soil. I mean, life is springing forth from it like crazy. It's just that some of the life that's springing forth is not good life. The thorn-infested ground. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. And then Jesus explains, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out that word and it proves to be unfaithful. Again, Jesus writing to his church, this time to the church of Laodicea. It's in the third chapter of Revelation. I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot, because, because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold. I spit you out of my mouth. For you say that I'm rich, and I have prospered, and need nothing 
not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. You're living in a reality world that is not matching what God's design is. Your 401k and, and the strength of your arm and, and, the, and the process of your group of people politically, you're, you're riding high. And Jesus, you don't you realize, Church of Laodicea, you are poor and pitiable and blind and naked. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches. Back in the Sermon on the Mount, it's Jesus who talks about those who, who try to serve two masters, and, and, and they'll find themselves loving one and hating the other and, and, and serving one and despising the other. And he says, you can't serve both God and stuff, mammon. You can't do it. It can't be done. Now, as we approach this time of national election, it is so easy for us. And I will say I know how easy it is to be caught up, to be frustrated and angry at, at people that would press an agenda politically and nationally that is so different from what I think is healthy. I want to tell you, I got brothers and sisters in Christ who think very differently on the issues that surround our country. And they are still brothers and sisters. But that healthy ground grows a lot of things, and sometimes, sometimes it can actually choke out what it is that God desires for us to hear and to receive. Finally, there is that good soil that it comes and, and it reproduces a hundredfold or sixtyfold or thirty. And Jesus explains that that receptive soil hears the word, understands it, and bears much fruit. That's always the design that God has when he brings to us the truth. He's the one who says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear much fruit. What does that fruit look like? We find it in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience and kindness and goodness gentleness, self-control. There's nothing in the law that constrains us from these. That's what God wants to grow in our life. I had to go to Costco earlier this week and put a lot of miles on my car and the, and the tires were showing it and so we got some new tires. And as I dropped the car off and I'm walking out, all of a sudden there's a car that's driving up the drive of Costco and going real slow, and someone pulls out and turns in front of them, and the horn gets blown, and the hand signs go out the window, and he wasn't saying stop or turn left. He was saying something else. And I thought, I sure am glad he doesn't have Christian bumper sticker on his car. And I think one of the ways we demonstrate in these days God's spirit working in us is patience. Living in peace. Demonstrating love through us to other people. That word patience, uh, King James Version, translates it a wee bit different. Some of the other older translations do also. Long-suffering. That God wants to build that in us. That we're going to overflow with the fruits of his spirit so that, that those who are on the outside see and are attracted to the Jesus who shines through our lives. Going to be doing a baptism later on today. 
going to remember the promise that Jesus and the command. He says, let your light so shine so that they're going to see your good works and they're going to give glory to your Father in heaven. So, how's your soil? Is it ready to follow what God's Spirit is seeding into your heart and life? Are you one who is willing to hear where the Spirit points out I love you with an everlasting love. I love you so much that let's work on this together. That there are changes that God wants to do in us so that he was reflected more perfectly through us. His word is here. His spirit uses it to confront us and to comfort us with his promises. May we be the ones that say yes to him. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to pray. We're going to speak together the words we believe. You see, it's, it's good to re be reminded of the truth. And we say it here together in the midst of family and friends. So we're emboldened and reminded what we can say in the midst of those who are not yet a part of his kingdom. Let's speak together the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, he ascended into heaven and is seated in the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen going to enter a time of prayer. Again, I'm going to request that I wouldn't be the only one that prays out loud. Uh, God puts the desire, helps us by his spirit to pray. And sometimes that's silently and sometimes it's meant for the whole body of God. So I'm going to invite you to join in prayer with me just as you do it. Do it with a loud voice because you don't have a microphone. And you want the rest of us to be able to join with you in prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful this day that, that you choose to, to bless us with your presence. You, you guide us with your spirit. You entrust us with your word. You love us with an everlasting love. And you send your spirit even to help us to pray in our weakness. Because quite frankly, Lord... My prayers are often so self-focused, but you help us out. So guide us now with your spirit that we might lift before you those things that you place on our heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus.
We continue to pray, Lord, for those who are uh, suffering health issues in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, maybe those who've been impacted by the virus and, and those because of the virus are not able to get the, the needed care that they need. We would pray, Lord Jesus, that you would surround them, that you would minister to them through family and friends and, and uh, medical people and institutions. Especially, Lord, that you would seed and pour out healing in their body, that you would strengthen their immune system, that you would clear out their lungs. Holy Spirit, you are the one who is the breath of God. Breathe into them the fullness of healing and health and life so that they might be strong and healthy and able to live freely and love you. For the unrest, Lord, that uh, is overtaking so many parts of our society. For people who feel they can't be heard. For people who can see nothing other than pain and darkness. We pray, Lord, that you would give a special wisdom to the leadership in our land, nationally, statewide, locally, that you would bring comfort and peace, Lord, for those who are related to those who've been injured. Think of the death down in Portland last night, the stuff in Kenosha earlier this week, and the various places where unrest is ruling. We pray the light to shine in the midst of the darkness and that you would bring healing to individuals and healing to our land. Lord, these things that we've prayed with our lips as well as the other prayers that have been offered to you in the silence of hearts and minds, we entrust to you in the glorious name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So as this word of God settles into our hearts, this would be our response to him, that he would take our life and that he would, he would use us and that it would be him that does that work.
going to invite you now to open your hands, to open your hearts, and receive the blessing of God who loves you so very much. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with the greatest of all his favor and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in his peace, shine to his glory, and be fruitful in his name. Amen. Mm -hmm.